This is the Workday Red Zone on the ticket, 95.3 and 9.70 a.m. K-N-E-A. Here's your host, Kara Ritchie. Hey, friends. Hey, how we doing? How we feeling? The first show after a game day. Hope you guys are in good spirits. Hope you're ready to talk about it. Now it's the first time all year we get to recap and discuss an actual game. This isn't preseason. This isn't talk about season. Well, I mean, it's kind of always talk about season here on Sports Radio. But no projections, no predictions. Recapping, reflection. That's what's on tap for today. How y'all doing? Welcome to the Workday Red Zone. Thanks for hanging out with us today on The Ticket, KDA 970 AM, along with 95.3, 96.9, and 104.1 KBRI. We are streaming online at 953theticket.com. And in addition to that, you can take us with you on the go. What you do there is you download the TuneIn app, search for KNEA, and hey, you're going to be all set. If you want to shout at us today, really easy to do. Call us. 870-930-3776 is the number on the Ritter Communications hotline. You can also get at us on social media, facebook.com slash 95.3. The ticket is one place to head. And then on Twitter at Kara underscore Richie or by using the hashtag WDRZ. Hey, I'm Kara. I am joined in studio by producer Cade Carlton. Good afternoon. So we are all uh, settled in and ready to go. Cade running on fumes and Diet Coke today. Yes. Maybe some coffee. Diet Coke and the adrenaline from uh, the uh, Snoop Connor touchdown last night where he trucked a defender. Live on the scene <laughs> for Ole Miss and Louisville. Yeah. Which I'm hoping the scene was a little bit more entertaining than, than the game. Which Then again, when it's your team that's doing the beating down, it usually makes it a little bit a little bit more aight. Yeah, my only problem was the targeting. Got to fix the targeting. That was kind of it's kind of ridiculous. There were four ejections for targeting all in the first half. I was going to say seventeen or eighteen, but four <laughs> yeah. is probably accurate as well. I'm surprised I didn't get an ejection <laughs> for targeting for just being in the stands. <laughs> uh, so much to talk about today on the show in regards to college football. Of course, a lot of it will start with the Red Wolves. Pretty good start to the Butch Jones era. A State one and zero on the season after a forty twenty one victory over Central Arkansas Saturday at Centennial Bank Stadium. Lane Hatcher, well, really hard to perform better than he did. He was 12 for 12 on the night, 150 yards, four touchdowns, three of those touchdowns hauled in by Corey Rucker, who was recognized yesterday as the Sunbelt Conference Offensive Player of the Week. So, so much to discuss with this one, but of course, up next for A-State, a home game against Memphis on Saturday. Arkansas football also starting out their season with a 1-0 record. Hogs overcame a slow start Saturday at Reynolds Razorback Stadium to topper ice 38-17. They trailed at the half, but scored on five of their last six possessions and did most of their damage on the ground, finishing with 245 rushing yards. Yesterday, Cardinals had no luck against Max Scherzer and the Dodgers. Turns out he's good. They lost 5-1, struck out 13 times in eight innings against the Cy Young contender, so the teams continue their series tonight at 6.45 on 95.9. The Wolf probably won't talk very much about yesterday's game. Might have to talk a little bit about Sundays, though, because I might still be in my feelings about that one. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Obviously, college football is going to dominate the discussion today. Arkansas State football is going to dominate the discussion today. And uh, we hope that you are ready, willing, able to chime in with us on today's program. KavanaughCars.com question time. 
What's the most important thing that you learned from Arkansas State's season opening win over Central Arkansas on Saturday? Now, a little bit of a caveat to that question. What's the most important thing you learned that's not quarterback related? To be honest, I don't want 17 answers about Lane Hatcher. I want you to think a little bit. You guys are smart fans. You observed more on Saturday than just that one quarterback played a lot better than the other. So dig a little bit deeper and tell me the most important thing you learned from Saturday that's not quarterback related. I know uh, on Wolfhouse Saturday night, we had a lot of observations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked a lot about Hatcher and Blackman. But a lot of those observations were about the defense, were about the special teams, were about so many different aspects that we finally got to see for the first time in the Butch Jones era. So I'm looking forward to some good answers today on the phones, online, wherever you decide to weigh in. All right, let's recap it a little bit. We'll go back and look at this one for A-State. As, again, it was a 40-21 to 21 final Saturday night. It was a slow start. In fact, UCA struck first as Chris Richmond was able to kind of get past a diving Jarius Rabonic to haul in a 66-yard score for the Bears. So, five minutes gone in that game, and UCA was up 7 or nothing. Meanwhile, Arkansas State could move the ball a little bit, but they would get close to the red zone and just, eh, wasn't necessarily great. They did start to get points on the board midway through the first when Blake Groupie kicked a 38-yard field goal. The second quarter, hope you like punts because it seems like we saw a lot of them. Uh, In fact, neither team got on the scoreboard until there was just barely over a minute left in that quarter, and we saw Blake Groupie make a 42-yard field goal. Of course, in that game, what we also saw for the very first time in the second quarter was the appearance of Lane Hatcher. It was the biggest news of the day uh, prior to the game on the 107.9 K-Fine pregame broadcast when Butch Jones said it would be James Blackman that was starting. So all of a sudden, you put that out, and you get the reaction. Everybody's ready to go. All right, Blackman Air, let's see what happens. Uh, uh, the first drive of the second quarter for A-State, Blackman got hit pretty good and had to come out of the game for a second. Helmet popped off, and so Lane Hatcher finished that drive. Uh, not really a lot that happened on that one. I think he picked up a first down, but then right after that, Arkansas State had to punt. So on the next drive, it was Blackman again. You see with the guy who started. So he comes out. Uh, Arkansas State again, finally able to at least get a field goal out of it to make it 7-6 to six heading into the half. The third quarter, a little bit better as we saw Arkansas State on their... Well, it was her first drive of that game after a really, really good Johnny Lang return, the, the first drive of the second half, able to punch it into the end zone, making it 13-7. to seven. Alan Lamar there on a two-yard run. Uh, that was a drive that was kind of penalty-aided by UCA, but somebody screws up, why not take advantage? And Arkansas State did. Uh, the very next possession, of course, Blackman back out there again, but what happens? About uh, A-State had just started moving the ball pretty good and crossed midfield. But Blackman's helmet popped off again. And so what does that mean? Well, when a quarterback's helmet comes off or a player period, they have to go out for the next possession. 
or the next play at least, excuse me, not the next possession. So Blackman comes off the field, Hatcher goes in. Hatcher immediately scrambles for a gain of like seven or eight, not quite a first down, but close to it. But then here's where it got interesting. Instead of putting his starting quarterback right back in to take over that drive, Butch Jones decided to leave in Hatcher. And then what happened? A few plays later, Lane Hatcher found Corey Rucker on a 34-yard pitch and catch that made it 20-7 to Red Wolves. Starting the fourth quarter, Lane Hatcher found Corey Rucker again that made it 26-14 to Red Wolves. Next thing you know, uh, Sammy Johnson has an interception. Lane Hatcher finds Corey Rucker again. 33 to 14 and really at that point in time it was it was very obviously over. UCA did score another one there and then uh, so did Arkansas State for that matter on on Hatcher uh, finding to Valence Hunt for a 5-yard gain to make it 40 to 21 for for the final margin. I know by now you've looked over the stats for these quarterbacks but we'll tell them to you anyways because again it's hard to beat what Lane Hatcher did 12 for 12 on the night 150 yards for total touchdowns. Um this is the first time there's been a game in Arkansas State history where a player has thrown or has, has attempted 12 or more passes and has been perfect. You go back to some very memorable games, and there were a couple of games in his career where I think Ryan Applin completed like 93% of his passes. We all know he's pretty good, right? So if you go out and you have a night that's better than anything Ryan Applin ever did, what does that mean? I think that means it's pretty damn impressive. So Lane Hatcher, 12 of 12 for 150 yards. So many of those passes went to Corey Rucker, who again finishes with three touchdowns, 138 yards. I really think that he and Lane Hatcher might share a brain. Like, yeah. Like, Lane Hatcher is about to go get a burrito because Corey Rucker just decided he was hungry. Like, that's the type of wavelength that I think these guys are on right now. You go back to last season, uh, that final game against ULM where Corey Rucker just went off. You combine that game and this game. In those two games, Corey Rucker has, what, 448 yards, seven touchdowns, something just absolutely obscene. Corey Rucker has had two starts. He started two games in his college football career. And after both of them has been named the Sunbelt Conference <laughs> Offensive Player of the Week. That's a pretty good start, right? Uh, it's, it's certainly not bad. There are obviously several other guys who came up big in this one. And, uh, in fact, I'm starting to see a whole lot of your answers right now on social media. But our phone lines are open at 9303776. What's the most important thing that's not quarterback-related? that you learned from this A-State season opener? That's our question. Again, 9303776. Let's hit pause. We'll come back, continue to share our thoughts on this one right after the break here on the Workday Red Zone. We are the station that always has our howl on. Northeast Arkansas Sports Station, 95.3. Hey guys, EAB staff meteorologist Sarah Tipton here. I was out with friends last week and they wanted to know what I was doing to look so good. The last six weeks, I've been using the Betts Clinic Weight Loss Program and Body Contour Light. Y'all... 
I feel so good right now with cleansing my body and losing weight. I've lost 10% of my starting weight, 16 pounds, and I hope to lose more in the coming weeks. The best part? I can feel my obliques and see them, too. My arms and shoulders are on fire. I want you to feel and look like this. Being comfortable in my body, again, is wonderful. If you're like me, you know what to do to lose weight, but you don't want to give it the effort. That's why I chose Club Reduce and Solutions 4. This program at the Betts Clinic combines to help you in a specific way tailored to your body's needs. Want to Join me? Call Dina at the Betts Clinic at 870-931-3722. 870-931-3722. The Betts Clinic. It's John G. for George Kale Motors in Newport. Have you ever been to a car dealership and a salesperson chases you around like you stole something? At George Kale Motors, we won't chase you around or lie in front of your car to make you stop. But we will try to do everything we can to make you comfortable and enjoy your shopping experience. We offer great selection, great prices, and exceptional service after the sale. View our entire inventory at georgekellmotors.com or come see us at Newport off Highway 67, Exit 85, GMC, and George Kale Motors. We are professional grade. Get the job done and then some with Farmall Utility C Series tractors from Case IH at any Baker implement near you. These heavy, durable tractors have their weight distributed in six different locations, eliminating the need for inefficient wheel weights. The emission system does not require DPF or diesel particulate filter, reducing time loss and fuel waste on regeneration. Plus, a comfortable cab makes long days a lot more productive. To learn more about Case IH Farmall Utility C series tractors visit your nearest baker implement today around here there's two ways to get a car wash there's tommy's express car wash and then there's everyone else tommy's express uses the newest most innovative technology in the auto wash industry with an easy load conveyor belt system plus free vacuum and mat washers and tommy club unlimited membership start at just $19.99 a month tommy's express car wash soon to have a second location in jonesboro see them now at highland and caraway and come Coming this fall, Tommy's Express will open their new location on Hilltop. For years, Cabs Plus has been in the business of helping your business grow. But now they invite you to see how they've grown, too. Come see Cabs Plus in their new location at 1211 Carroll Road in Paragool. Complete with a new retail shop. Cabs Plus is a licensed A-State vendor and offers Red Wolf's apparel and maybe some throwback stuff, too. They also have a wide selection of apparel from local high schools. And Cabs Plus still has thousands of promotional items just right for your business logo. Go buy Cabs Plus now at 1211 Carroll Road in Paragool or online at CabsPlusInc.com. This is your warning. You're entering the Workday Red Zone. I'm gonna find them off. Pretty good weekend. I think it's safe to say, not just in Jonesboro, but across the college football landscape. For the casual fan, I mean, we saw, what, like eight top 25 teams get beat, which five of those were top 25 versus top 25 matchups, so you knew some of those teams were going to lose. I believe we saw six FCS teams beat FBS teams? Yeah, that uh, the A-State non-conference schedule looks a little bit better now this <laughs> weekend. <laughs> it looks dramatically different in terms of strength of schedule. Yeah. We'll look at some of those games coming up later. But, of course, uh, Arkansas State, not one of those teams to get upset. 40-21 to 21 was the final there. So what's the most important thing you learned uh, that's not quarterback-related that you're taking from this one? Um, we had a question for you. 
last week. You know, kind of kind of ask you guys this because Wednesday night was the first game of the week on what was technically week one of college football, and it was a FBS versus FCS game, UAB versus Jacksonville State. And UAB did not start that game well. They did have a 10-0 edge in the first half, but they just they didn't look great. They were a better team, but they weren't necessarily playing like it. And then we saw in the second half UAB do UAB things, and then they won that game by 30 points. But we ask you guys the next morning, or the next afternoon, excuse me, Thursday afternoon, following that game. What would happen if A-State had a slow start? Would you freak out a little? I think the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Because <laughs> some of the comments at halftime uh, were, were pretty brutal. Now, the reason for that was because of the Arkansas State offense. Getting off to a, a really slow start. And we'll hear Butch Jones talk about his quarterbacks here in just a moment. But James Blackman didn't play poorly. He wasn't no. bad. He didn't turn it over. He didn't make mistakes that jeopardize his and his teammates' chances for success. He just wasn't necessarily that effective. He looked like a guy who didn't necessarily go through spring camp, who didn't have the experience leading this team for that long. It took him a little bit on his pro- pro- progressions, took him a little bit to decide what he was going to do. He just wasn't that that quick in his decision-making in the first half. He also said some instances in the first half where he could have got a little bit better protection. Uh, he did get sacked a couple, three times in that game. Uh, he also had some receivers that dropped some plays. Now, it wasn't until the second half, but Corey Rucker dropped a touchdown. He had a touchdown, hit him in the hand, and he dropped that. So he didn't necessarily get helped out a lot by some of his teammates for whatever reason that is. But, uh, but I want to say this real quick before we dive into some of the rest of the quarterback stuff. I was a little disappointed with the fan reaction to James Blackman because it wasn't about his performance. A lot of the criticism I saw was personal. And I don't understand that at all. I don't understand why you're making a personal attack on a player who is wearing your team's jersey. I know that a lot of people are are, are team hatcher, and I'm not telling you that you can't pick a favorite player. It's insane. I have a lot of favorites. A lot of guys that we get to talk to on a regular basis that I I just enjoy talking to, enjoy rooting for. But I didn't understand some of the, the, the personalness to some of the criticism. And again, he didn't suck. He played fine. Lane Hatcher just played a whole lot better. To be honest, and this is going to sound silly and I'm going to say it anyways, I blame Blake Anderson for this. I feel like as a fan base, we're still so triggered by what happens with the quarterbacks because of how last year unfolded, because it was so weird, because it didn't necessarily make sense a lot of times to constantly have that rotation. And I feel like last year, as a fan, you almost had to be Team Bonner or Team Hatcher. And now that's lingering over to this year, where you have to state you know, your support and your criticism of, of, of the quarterbacks when it shouldn't be that way. It should be Team Red Wolves. Now, I don't think we'll continue to have this conversation from week to week because we saw, everybody saw Hatcher's performance. Yeah. He just looked so sharp in running that offense. That's the better choice right now. But at some point in time, James Blackman's going to go back out there this season. Lane Hatcher's helmet's going to pop off. <laughs> Lane Hatcher might roll an ankle and have to go sit out a series to have it taped up. Lane Hatcher, somebody on this team might get COVID still. It's not like we're done with that. 
this team is going to need Blackman there at some point. And you really want to sit there and, and, and dump on the kid? He wears your team's uniform. Please stop with, with the personal criticism. It's, it's really uncalled for. Apologies for the rant. Hatcher was great. Hatcher was great. Again, we talked about in the previous segment, you know, the fact that he went 12 for 12. Nobody else in A-State history has done that on, on 12 attempts or more. Been perfect on the day. Unfortunately, you're not going to see Hatcher on many uh, national leaderboards this week, despite the 100% completion percentage. And the reason for that is because he doesn't have enough attempts. Uh, but obviously, he was he was very, very good. Uh I do wonder, like, and I don't think this is the case, but is there a chance that Hatcher is not a good practice player? Because it's not like Butch Jones threw these guys' yeah. names into a hat and drew one and was like, oh, Blackman, Blackman's going to be the starter. No, he had a, a month of, of practices, of progressions, of repetitions to sift through and made that idea. He didn't pick James Blackman to try and trigger you as a fan. <laughs> Trust yeah. me. Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of the conversation around Bonner and Hatcher in the offseason last year was that Bonner looked so much better in practice than Hatcher did. So, I mean, maybe there is a little bit of truth to that, I, that he's just a gamer. Like, when the lights come on, that's when he turns it on. And I agree with the second part of that statement. As a far as as far as whether or not he is or is not a good practice player, the, the true fact of that is this is pure conjecture on my part because we don't know. We haven't been able to see practice this year. So I'm just I'm just kind of like spitballing theories and trying to figure out, you know, why I had ended up being Blackman getting the nod when we saw Hatcher once the lights came on. It looked so, so, so good. Uh, <laughs> I just can't wrap my, my head around it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe practice is not his time to shine. But again, he gets it done when the lights are on. I tell you what, I, I've got, uh, we've got just a little bit of audio from from uh, Butch Jones to share with you today. We're not going to bog you down with audio because I really am looking forward to your feedback on the program. But uh, I do want to start here. He did yesterday in the Sunbelt Conference media call touch briefly on the quarterbacks, what he saw from Saturday, his takeaways from these games. And uh, do you want to go ahead and hear his thoughts on that? We got that audio ready? Okay, just checking. Here's Butch Jones talking QBs. Well, first of all, you know, a tribute to Lane that he came in. He was very decisive with the football. He knew where he was going. You know, he got the ball to his first and second, third progressions, uh, and he was ready to go. And, again, that's what we expect from him. That's the type of competitor he is. So, you know, some things, though, we got to do better in terms of just, you know, in terms of our initial reads and some footwork things. But he obviously gave our football team a spark. Uh, James Blackman did some very good things as well. I didn't think he was helped. You know, everyone wants to look, you know, kind of with a with a naked eye in terms of they watch the ball, they watch the quarterback, and a lot of times it's the other 10 individuals around them executing and doing their jobs. And, you know, a lot of times uh, people around James didn't execute their job, whether it was a missed assignment up front or we did not do a good job of handling movements and twists or the receiver – you know, didn't run the proper depth. And then, you know, I think at times James had some low vision in the pocket. So I think it was a combination of all those things, but a lot of things to build upon, um, you know, and obviously Lane and, and the way he sparked us. But I also thought James did some good things as well. Again, that was Butch Jones talking about his quarterbacks there. 
in in that segment. Look, he's going to be when you hear him speak uh, in any in his press conference, which is oh that's wait is that that's no that's tomorrow sorry tomorrow. Yeah. went blank. I apologize. I really don't know what day it is. If I try and tell you it's Monday today, just you know roll with it and send me a tweet later and tell me I'm stupid. But uh, you're going to hear Butch Jones this week be incredibly complimentary of both of his quarterbacks. He's going to talk up what James Blackman did. He's going to he, he might talk up what James Blackman did more than he talks up what Lane Hatcher did because Lane Hatcher's numbers speak for themselves. And the reason for that is is not that I think in my personal opinion I would be very surprised to see Blackman start Saturday at Memphis. But I would be even more surprised to see Butch Jones in any way shape or form tip his hand before that. He wants Memphis to be busy right now preparing for both Blackman and Hatcher. So all week long, what are we going to hear? Of course, Hatcher was great. Of course, he did a great job in leading the, uh, the offense. But I think there were some very good things that James Blackman did that might not show up in the box score. Compliment, compliment, compliment. Pretty much yeah. all week long with both of his quarterbacks. So Ryan Silverfield, head coach of the Tigers, has to try and figure out if he's going to be dealing with one guy at quarterback or two or which one or what. Yeah, well, I mean, I also think you – I mean, you don't want James Blackman's confidence just shattered. Like, no. there's still a chance that Hatcher gets hurt or can't, you know, he's out for a series. Like, there's still a chance he's going to play meaningful snaps. Very much so at some point in time, even if it's only a helmet pop off here yeah. or, or something else. It, it, there's, it's very likely. We're going to see him out on the field multiple times before the season is over. This is just not going to be the rotation situation we saw last year with. Blake Anderson. We'll have a couple more clips from Butch Jones coming up for you in the following segment. But uh, 9303776, what's the most important thing that's not quarterback related that you learned from a state season opening win over Central Arkansas? And I want to look to the other side of the ball to throw out one of my answers for today. By the way, I've got like four. We ask you guys to pick one. I'm going to pick like four. I hope that's okay. If it's not, you can pick four too. But one is that the defense is obviously better with this team we'll look at some of the numbers later on where we saw improvements but you go through and you look at all of those different plays that central arkansas ran they ran 62 offensive plays and maybe i'm going back and looking at this looking at this just a little bit with some scarlet colored glasses but i don't remember there being a play where the A-State defenders looked lost. There were some times they got beat. There were, some, there were some misplays. I'm sure, I have no doubt, Butch Jones has a long tally of missed assignments today. But as somebody who does not, did not know what the game plan was coming in exactly, specifically, I thought that looked like a good cohesive defense on Saturday. They got beat a couple times, yeah. UCA's got some good receivers. But... I felt like the line played better. I felt like the secondary played better. I felt like the linebackers played better. I felt like it was a cohesive unit, particularly with the secondary. It's still a young secondary. They're still going to make mistakes. But the very first uh, score that UCA had, I think it was Romanic who was there covering, and the receiver was just kind of right out of his grasp, and, and he dove for the ball, dove for the receiver and missed him. So then that guy had a clear 20, 30 yard run into the end zone. But 
there were also some situations where UCA made some big chunk plays where some of the receivers just I can remember one play that that one pass that Hudson hold in on the sideline where he was double covered by a state it was good coverage and he <laughs> got it anyways but the fact that there was not a single time Saturday night where there was not at least an A-State defender in the vicinity of the play made me feel good. There was no three-yard cushion anywhere, ever. So I was very excited about the defense from Saturday. More to come here in a moment. Again, what's the most important thing you learned from Saturday? Not QB-related, but anything else is up for discussion. 9303776 is the number. Phone lines open during the break. We'll be right back after this on The Ticket. We're not as socially awkward as you think. Search for 95.3 The Ticket on Facebook and follow us at 95.3 The Ticket on Twitter. Has music started to sound different? Are you having to turn up the volume? At Ascent, we offer all hearing aid styles, including rechargeable, completely invisible, low-cost hearing aids. We're offering free in-office demonstrations of the latest rechargeable hearing aids. Come here for yourself. To take advantage of this special offer, call 870-393-5405 or visit AscentJonesboro.com. That's AscentJonesboro.com. During the Big Dealer Appreciation Event at Jacuzzi Hot Tubs of Jonesboro, now through September 10th. Stop by their location in the Highland Shopping Center and see their huge selection on Facebook. The Big Dealer Appreciation Event is going on now at Jacuzzi Hot Tubs of Jonesboro. Most prices falling. Hello, I'm Scotty Woodson on the EAB Ag Network with your EAB New Market Report. September corn at 497 and a half, down 10 and a half. With December corn at 511 and three quarters, down 12 and a quarter. September soybeans at 1274, down nine. With November soybeans at 1283 and a quarter, down eight and three quarters. September wheat at 709, down five and a half. With December wheat at 717 and a half, down eight and three quarters. October cotton at 9588, down two. With December cotton at 9405, that's up six. September rice at 1310, up three. With November rice at 1330, down one. Moving on to livestock now. October live cattle 124.70 down 10. With December live cattle 130.27 and a half down 65. September feeder cattle 157.02 and a half down 145. With October feeder cattle 168.82 and a half down 165. October lane hogs at 88.90 down 67 and a half. With December hogs at 81.52 and a half down 57 and a half. That's your EAB New Market Report brought to you by Farmers and Merchants Bank. Field tested and farmer approved. Farmers and Merchants Bank history is deeply rooted in agriculture. We understand farming and the importance of properly funding the way you produce and market your products. Whether it's operations, land, equipment, or facilities, make this year the one to grow on with Farmers and Merchants Bank. Find us online at mebanking.com. Field tested, farmer approved. Farmers and Merchants Bank, member FDIC and equal housing lender. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes. Their age. 
the way they speak? Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. Turn it up and annoy your coworkers who wear the wrong colors. Back to the Workday Red Zone. Here's Kara Ritchie. Welcome back. Kara and Cade hanging out. KavanaughCars.com question today. What is the most important thing that's not quarterback related that you learned from Saturday's season opening win for A-State against Central Arkansas? 9303776 is a Ritter Communications hotline. I've got uh, several different things we're going to throw at you through the course of the day. But I feel like uh, I feel like the running back room is deeper. That's one of the takeaways that I took from Saturday. Now, we have seen a lot of different running backs for A-State over the past couple years hit the field, but it's been more because this guy hasn't been healthy, this guy hasn't been healthy, this guy hasn't been healthy. I feel like we saw several healthy guys on Saturday that are up to the challenge. Of course, it was Alan Lamar who was out there first, and he finished with a decent night. For A-State, led the Red Wolves in rushing with 18 carries, 75 yards. He also did have the Red Wolves' uh, lone score on the ground. Uh, Marcel Murray, of course, was out there. Seven carries, 63 yards. He he looked like Marcel Murray. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which was, what in the world is going on? I promise I'm okay. <clears throat> I don't know what happened just to my voice. I'm fine. Uh, but let me back up. We saw Marcel Murray out there, of course, seven carries, 63 yards. I think my favorite Marcel Murray run was only a gain of maybe like five. But he got met at the line of scrimmage and continued to drag like three defenders with him to pick up another three yards. It wasn't anything massive or crazy or wild. It was just Marcel doing Marcel things, and it looks fantastic. We saw Johnny Lang out there. He did have the one miscue. He had a fumble uh, that was recovered by UCA, but otherwise five carries for 36 yards. I think the big question, though, that a lot of people want to know, myself included, I, I would have liked to have seen Lincoln Perry out there, a healthy Perry, to see what he was able to do. Um, he was out on the field, I believe, on special teams, so this wasn't a health issue. Um to the best of my knowledge, because you wouldn't be putting him out on special teams unless he was ready to go. So I don't know, you know, and I still wonder this when we go back and look at Saturday, how much Jones was kind of keeping inside the vest ahead of Saturday's game against Memphis. This running back leader's chart could look different next week. Yeah. We'll find out. Uh, quick note here before we go to the phones and check in with Chuck. Arkansas State Football has released the Week 2 depth chart. And uh, look, no surprises here. For a very long time this season, we're going to see an or at the top of the depth chart. It is going to say James Blackman or Lane Hatcher. You know why? Because that's alphabetical order. So don't get all up in your feels that it is James Blackman and Lane Hatcher. It's B comes before H, okay? 
That's the way that works. If they're going by first names, J also comes before L. So that's how that works. Uh, there are a couple other differences in the debt chart, it, it looks like, from last week. So we might take a peek at that uh, coming up in a minute. Hat tip to Brad Bobo for tweeting that out. Let's go to the phone, so we'll check in with Chuck. How are you? I'm doing good, Carrie. How about yourself? Hey, doing great. Thanks for calling us today, Chuck. Oh, no problem, man. How bad was I in my pig? Uh, you know what, Chuck? You... Hold on. I had them listed somewhere and then meant to go over them and forgot. You went four out of five, which was the highest that that we had in terms of all of our answers, but you did miss out on the tiebreaker. Oh, okay. So not a bad start so, to the season at all. Okay, so I didn't win though, right? No, you did not. You were a little low on the tiebreaker. We asked you total uh, total yards of offense for the Red Wolves, and you went with 395. It ended up being 513, and our winner guessed 500. Okay. All right. Man, from what I've been reading on Facebook, and I know you can't always believe what you read on Facebook, people are not happy with Blackman. Have you, I mean, could you tell that Saturday night? Yeah, people were rude. Were they? People made it personal. I mean, it sounds like they're not happy with the coach out there either. I mean, I'm I mean, sure there are, again, part of this goes back to last year when everybody felt like they had to be Team Bonner or Team Hatcher. And now people feel like they have to be Team Hatcher or Team Blackman. And that's pointless. It should be Team Red Wolves. Right. right. I agree with you. I mean, no matter who's starting, I mean, they're wearing your team's colors and they're playing for you, you know. There ain't no sense in being worried. It ain't their fault, you know. But it just seemed like I didn't get to listen to the first half for the simple fact is I forgot to download to my phone and I was watching <laughs> Clemson and Georgia and LSU and UCLA. But it just seemed like when Hatcher come in, it seemed like he lit the place up. Oh, he did. Make no mistake about it, Chuck. Hatcher was better. And he was just, that offense just moved with Hatcher at quarterback. But James Blackman was not, was not a tire fire. That's, that's my counterpart. He, he was, Blackman was fine, but Hatcher was great. Okay. So it wasn't as bad as what it sounded like on the radio then. No, you know, the first half wasn't good. The team got off to a really slow start and kind of had that, did that thing kind of like we saw last year where they would move the ball a little bit and then stall out and have to settle for a field goal or make a mistake close to the red zone. And that was kind of frustrating to watch because it kind of gave you deja vu on exactly what the offense looked like last season. But they got into the third quarter. They obviously made some halftime adjustments and they started moving the ball pretty well at the third quarter. Uh, We did see... You know, Blackman get in the end zone before he ended up leaving that game. And then also, in addition to that, you know, the drive that he came out, A-State was moving the ball well on that drive. They had already crossed midfield. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, because they did drop a touchdown there for Blackman when, uh, oh, what was, what's his name? Yeah, Rucker. Was cramping up. Yeah, Rucker had, uh, look at it. 
it it did hit Rucker in the hand, and then there was a significant moment of concern there when he kind of hobbled off the field, but it just ended up being a, a really severe cramp, thank goodness. Right. And the defense sounded like they were doing better, man. I mean, yeah, they gave up 21 points to UCA, UCA but, man, they ain't no chump. No, they're not. They had a – their quarterback is a sixth-year junior. <laughs> they had all kinds of experience. Right. I mean, you know, uh, and then I think they're ranked like 11, what I've been hearing. They were ranked 14th last year – not last year, excuse me, last week prior to the game. I don't know if the new FCS poll has came out yet or not. Okay. Did you watch any of the other games over the weekend? I watched, um, I flipped channels a lot. So I watched uh, Texas and Louisiana Saturday afternoon. I scoreboard watched more than anything Saturday because I was trying to do stuff and then get ready to go to the game and all of that as well. Sunday, I absolutely watched Florida State and Notre Dame. And then Monday, I caught, last night, I caught like the second half of, of Ole Miss Louisville. Well, see, I didn't watch that Notre Dame Florida State game. A great game. Man. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, they they say that's the best game of the weekend. The best story of the weekend. I, I'm sure you could probably make an argument for what exactly the best game is. There is no better story this weekend, in my opinion, than seeing McKenzie Milton back out there on a football field at quarterback. That was amazing. That dude almost lost a leg, and then was back out there yeah. playing quarterback. That was great. Yeah. See, I I thought he was done. I didn't even yeah. know he was playing for Florida State, man. Uh, but yeah, I just we had the watch. Uh, company picnic there Sunday and the time we got back and I was like I'm done <laughs> you know I mean yeah because I had a late night Saturday night and then we got up early Sunday and went to that and then we got on around seven I was like look I'm going to bed yeah. you know a long day yesterday so I didn't watch it, man. Now, I did watch a little bit of the Old Miss and Louisville game last night. Yeah. Uh, Old Miss looks tough. They look good. Yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty doggone good offensively. Uh yes. I would I would take Matt Corral over Spencer Rattler. I'll just say that. Well, I'm not I, I even said this last week. I am not impressed with Spencer. You know, <clears throat> I will be. I will say this: I thought Oklahoma's defense was better than what it is. Maybe Tulane's better than everybody's giving them credit for. But that quarterback for Tulane, man, took a beating Saturday and still come back for more. I mean, he went twelve rounds, dude, and almost <laughs> beat Oklahoma. I can't believe they only fell four spots or two spots. Where Clemson only fell yeah. three. Yeah, well, not that surprised. But, yeah, it's still too early, so. But anyway, that's all I had, care. And as far as your question of the day, to me, from what I listened to, it sounded like the defense is in a little better condition this year than what they were last year. Chuck, appreciate the call. Thanks for shouting at us today. Yeah, you guys have a great day, and go Red Wolves. We'll have the phone lines open during the break at 930-3776, but we'll come back and I'll tell you what, we'll try and sneak in just a couple quick clips from Butch Jones from his media call yesterday. He's already going, he's 
also today, right now, going through his uh, daily press conference. So if we see anything of note coming through the tweet deck, we'll mention that as well. That comes up when we return. Keep it right here with us on the Workday Red Zone. Northeast Arkansas's sports station is 95.3 The Ticket. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. In recent years, college football has been all about offense. Even the traditionally conservative Alabama teams have racked up a ton of points. But the defense got revenge on opening weekend. Clemson and Georgia were supposed to have high-powered offenses. Neither team scored an offensive touchdown in their showdown on Saturday night. Bulldogs coming away with a 10-3 win thanks to a pick six. Penn State's defense salvaged a dramatic win over Wisconsin. Virginia Tech's defense dominated number 10 North Carolina. Iowa forced turnovers to blow out Indiana in a Big Ten battle. And while they're still good on offense, Alabama's defense looked ferocious in a blowout win over Miami. Sometimes offenses start out slower in the season, then they figure it out. But there seemed to be a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball this weekend. Anomaly. But maybe it's time for the balance to shift and for defenses to make a bit of a comeback in 2021. I know it's only one week. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Last year, there was a victim of I- last year there was a victim of identity theft. Every three seconds, a criminal could be spending your money, applying for loans in your name, damaging your credit, even selling your personal information on the dark web. Unfortunately. You could miss certain threats to your identity by just checking bank statements and monitoring your credit. The solution? LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. LifeLock sees certain threats you might miss if you're just monitoring your credit and alerts you if they find something that could be suspicious. Plus, if you become a victim of identity theft, a U.S.-based identity restoration specialist is dedicated to your case and will work to fix it from start to finish. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock by Norton can help protect your personal information so you can keep what's yours. Save up to 25% off your first year. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code PATRICK. That's LifeLock.com, promo code PATRICK. Is it finally time to pull the trigger on a new golf cart? Or is the cart you currently have struggling to make it around the course? Let NEA Golf Cars and Perico get you rolling. Come by and see the selection of Onward Cars by Club Car. And then you can finish your new ride out with original Club Car accessories. NEA Golf Cars also is used cars from a variety of brands and can also take care of your current cart with accessories, tires, wheels, batteries, tune-ups, and more. Go by and see them on Highway 49 North or call them at 236-GOLF. NEA Golf Cars and Perico. Attention, members and guests. Make plans for Live with the Red Wolves Wednesday night from 7 to 8 at Lost Pizza on Southwest Drive. Join head coach Butch Jones along with a special player guest and listen along on 1079 K-Fine and the EAB Red Wolves Sports Network from Learfield. Plus, audience members can win prizes from textbook brokers. It's all at Lost Pizza Wednesday night at 7 during Live with the Red Wolves presented by the Arkansas Department of Health and sponsored by Angie Gallagher of United Country Scenic Rivers Realty, Crown Limousine, Vision Care Center, Farmers and Merchants Bank, Stanley Woodard Law Firm, and Blue Cross Blue Shield Agent. Woody Harrelson. Um, hello? Be part of the conversation on the Workday Red Zone. Phone lines open now, 930-3776. Welcome back to the Workday Red Zone. Karen K here with you for just a couple more minutes. Of course, we've got a uh, another hour coming up after this. 
you haven't been able to weigh in on our KavanaughCars.com question, asking you the most important thing you learned from Saturday that's not quarterback related. I think special teams are better. We'll talk more about that uh, when we come back in the second hour of the program and talk about, you know, those five questions that we asked you on Friday, how those were answered. But I just, I, I liked, with the exception of one block in the back, I liked what we saw in the return game. I liked some of the decision-making. I thought Hanson looked better punting. Uh, there was, you know, Blake Gruby did miss a field goal, missed an extra point. I don't know if he's 100%. He was not 100% in the fall. I don't know if he's 100% now. I think even a 90% Blake Gruby is probably better at place-kicking than anybody else on the roster, and that's why we will continue to see him out there. But I'm not sure on that. That being said, 44-21 doesn't look that much different than than 40-21. I just hope he gets back to 100% as quickly as possible. Two clips here that I do want to share with you from Butch Jones as he talks about that win on Saturday. First things first, he kind of goes through and, and just gives a general solid recap of what he saw uh, from the Red Wolves in that winter over Central Arkansas. You know, was really proud of our players uh, for our second-half performance. Uh, it was always great to get the first win against a very quality opponent. Uh, UCA is a good football team that will win their share of football games. But, you know, when you really look back, it was kind of the tale of two halves. The first half, uh, we probably played as, ba- as bad as any team I've ever been a part of. Uh, we did not manage critical situations well at all. We had a third and one that occurred on the ninth play of, a, of the opening drive and, and couldn't convert. And then we missed the field goal. We had two coming out opportunities as a defense to create a, a three and out and change field position. We weren't able to do that. We turned the football over and then we didn't manage sudden change defensively. So just about everything that could go wrong in a first half went wrong. But I thought our players showed some resiliency, some resolve. There was no panic. And then we came out, we played more what we expect, uh, more of what we've seen all throughout training camp with this football team and thought we did some really good things in the second half, um, a lot of things to build upon. But as we all know, a lot of things to, to critique and correct and get fixed. You know, we have to take as big of a leap as anybody going from game one to game two. Uh, so we're looking forward to it. Um, I tell you what, playing, you talk about quality of opponent, uh, Memphis is as good as a football team as I've seen in a while. Um, just a complete football team, very senior dominated, uh, very, very physical in all three phases, offense, defense, special teams, very, very good team speed. So have a lot of respect for them and what they've built there and what they have, and it's going to be a great challenge, and we have to get better in a hurry. One of the biggest questions that I've had this fall was what happens when adversity hits. You go back to when Butch Jones took over, and it was a very peaceful transition. There was not a lot of attrition. There was not a lot of uh, rumblings that you heard behind the scenes that the players could potentially be unhappy or not like his system or his personality or anything. You didn't hear that. You got to spring. Everything seemed like it went fine. Uh, This team was able to get into work, didn't really deal with any significant injury situations, went into summer, made the gains in the workroom, or in the weight room, excuse me, got back on the field in the fall for practice, and it seemed like everything was just humming along. But at that point in time, Arkansas State had been undefeated. There was no adversity. There was no opposition. 
So they saw that for the first time Saturday night. And what happened? First half wasn't great. It really just was not great. Now, defensively it was, but offensively just really struggled to move the ball. But what happened? I, I think, I think we saw the process come into play Saturday night. Because it's not like A-State came out in the second half and was trying to reinvent the wheel. We didn't see a massive difference in personnel, with the exception of Hatcher. We didn't see a massive difference in scheme or play calling or anything like that. And what we especially did not do is we did not see any of the players get rattled and lose focus. Everybody kind of stayed true to what they were doing in the first half and was fine. One more clip here to share from Butch Jones. He was asked about the positives and negatives from the game. Of course, in true coaching style, he starts with the bad stuff first. You know, it's kind of like what I spoke about is, you know, why did that first half occur? And we have so many adversities and a lot of those we created for ourselves and, and we also played a good football team, but you know, it's those critical situations, the managing, I didn't like our overall energy level. I really thought a lot of our players had performance anxiety and speaking with a lot of individuals. I mean, there was a marked difference in the level of play, the style of play from the first half to the second half. And, uh, you know, we hopefully we've learned a lot from that. I think these players want to do well so much that, you know, we talk about the process and what it takes to improve every day and play winning football. And I think we got outside ourselves and we were so uh, consumed in us and wanting to do so well that, that you know, we kind of let that get to us in terms of anxiety. So a lot of learning lessons, managing of critical situations, um, but I did think, you know, when you look at the nature of the game in the second half, we were able to run the ball efficiently. We had some explosive plays, not only in the run game, but in the pass game as well. Uh, you know, we were able to win third down. Uh, we held them to 8% on third down conversions. Uh, I thought we did some good things on, on special teams and our kick coverage and time of possession. We were able to possess the ball as well. So, you know, again, a tale of two halves, and we have to build upon the second half, but we also have to fix what went wrong in the first half. Okay, quick question. Is Butch Jones like Beetlejuice? Like, if you say the process, does he have to say the process too? Because in following along with Region 8 Sports Director Chris, Hud Chris Hudgenson here on Twitter, in regards to Butch Jones' comments to the media during his weekly presser, like this second, when we were just talking about the process, what did Butch just say to the media? Quote, we had individuals that wanted to do so well they were focused on results instead of the process <laughs> in the second half. The process, the process, the process. Maybe I say, if I say it three times, he'll pop up in studio. We won't have to share audio. We can just talk to him. Trust the process. Trust the process. Worked for A-State Saturday night, 40 to 21. On Friday... Before we got to this one, we had five questions about this one that I thought were really, really important in figuring out what we would see both for A-State against Central Arkansas and what would set the tone for Arkansas State for the rest of the season. Did we get answers? To most of them, yes. So we'll talk about that when we return as well as start to dive through the rest of this college football weekend. It was an awesome one. We've still got so much to talk about. Also, in the 1 o'clock hour of the program, Voice of the Red Wolves, Matt Stoltz will be with us at 1.30. So a lot of fun stuff coming up next. Keep it here with us on the Workday Red Zone.
This is Will Oswald with your Tuesday Ticket Sports Update from KNEA, brought to you by Plastic Tire Service. Uh, comeback win for the Red Wolves in the football season opener Saturday in Jonesboro with a 40-21 win over UCA at Centennial Bank Stadium. And the Sunbelt Conference certainly took notice of second-year freshman wide receiver Corey Recker, who's named the league's first offensive player of the week in the 2021 campaign. Recker had nine catches for 138 yards and three second-half touchdowns, all thrown by Lane Hatcher in a backup role. Red Wolves and Memphis coming up this Saturday at the Vault, beginning at 6. In baseball, the Cardinals opened up a four-game series with the Dodgers yesterday, and they had absolutely no answer for Max Scherzer. He struck out 13 Cardinals in eight innings, giving up just only one run. That coming on a pass ball in the bottom of the sixth as the Dodgers won the opener 5-1. Jay Happ goes to the hill for the Cards this evening in Game 2 of the series, which starts at 6.45, pregame 5.50 on 95.9 The Wolves. Four tires in one hour. That's guaranteed at Plaza Tire Service, and that's the latest from the ticket. Hey, it's Brandon Baxter for Elite Men's Health in Jonesboro. Guys, if you want to lose weight and get in shape for summer, you need to go by Elite Men's Health. We've all heard the talk about how women's hormones change as they get older, but guys, guess what? That happens to us too. Most men begin to see a drop in testosterone by the age of 30 and some even before that. So why put in all that hard work if your testosterone isn't working for you? I mean, it's going to be harder to lose weight, to burn fat, and perform at your peak if your testosterone level is too low. If you feel run down and tired all the time, if you feel like you have less strength or less endurance, and if you're struggling to lose weight, you might have low testosterone. Elite Men's Health worked for me. My free testosterone level is up over 300%. Go by Elite for an evaluation, and if your T-levels are low, let them develop a plan that's perfect for your body. If you want to feel like you did when you were in your late teens and early 20s, head to Elite Men's Health. In their new location, 2203 East Nettleton in Jonesboro, right next door to Rob Taylor State Farm. Or check out EliteMensHealth.com. First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas is striving to make life easier for all their banking customers by introducing a brand new way to control your Visa debit card. With the My Card Rules mobile app, you can turn your debit card on or off with the push of a button, set limits on spending and transaction types, see recent transactions, customize alerts, and so much more. Existing customers can download the free My Card Rules app today in the Apple app or Google Play Store. We're giving you the power to take control of your card at First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas. Member FDIC. Jim's Pawn Shop in Jonesboro wants to help you with your stress about paying bills by giving you top dollar for all of your gold and silver jewelry or coins. Deal with local people who will be there for you this week and the next. Jim's Pawn Shop at 3711 East Highland has been in business for over 25 years and is known for the best loan terms in the area. Jim's will give you money on almost anything of value. You'll find a large selection of items at price to help your budget. Diamonds, musical instruments, video games, hunting gear, electronics, inventory changes daily. Visit Jim's Pawn Shop at 3711 East Highland in Jonesboro. Voted best of the best six years in a row. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. 
You're listening to KNEA Jonesboro and KBRI Clarendon. The Ticket. Half time's over, and we're getting back to work. Hour two of the Workday Red Zone begins now. Here's Kara Ritchie. All right, welcome back to the Workday Red Zone. Kara Ritchie, Kate Carlton hanging out with you. Hey, we're going to talk with Voice of the Red Wolves, Matt Stoltz, in about 30 minutes. Really looking forward to getting his observations from Game 1 for A-State football, but we're looking forward to your observations as well. It's today's KavanaughCars.com question. What's the most important thing that's not quarterback-related that you learned from the season-opening win against UCA? Question always brought to you by our friends at KavanaughCars.com. Just a phenomenal one-stop shop for those of you looking for a new or a new-to-you vehicle. Gosh, so much information there on the website. Obviously, look, they've got all the Kavanaugh inventory there. So instead of having to go to all the different Kavanaugh lots, Kavanaugh Ford, Hyundai, Kia, you just, boom, pull up KavanaughCars.com. So you find your vehicle. And then there's even more there online that can help you in the car buying process. You can get pre-approved. You can find out what your trade-in is worth. Man, there's just uh, a ton of resources right there for you at KavanaughCars.com. We'll continue to share our observations here for you and then also talk about some of the biggest questions we had, the biggest questions we threw out there on Friday for you and whether or not we saw answers to those. Good answers, bad answers, no answers, more info needed, TBD. Let's talk with RWM. Rudolph Mark is with us on the phone. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good, Miss Terry. Well, good. Yeah, how'd I do with my pick? Not good. Not good. I'm going to have to do better. You are. You only got one right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say go to my Red Wolves and go to all the high school teams. Okay. And uh, go, I'm going to say KKK. Does Brooklyn play this weekend? They do not. Oh, they do not. Well, yeah, well, when's their next game? The following week. The 17th. Yes, yes. Wonder who they wonder who they play. Rivercrest. Mm, that's going to be hard for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to throw out a question. If everybody knows what Wednesday is, Wednesday something special, I'm going to say if everybody knows what it is, is it Christmas? Uh-uh. Oh, is there a football game Wednesday? Nope. Is it Thanksgiving? Something good. Uh-uh, something good and special. Hmm. And it starts, it starts with a B. National. Hmm. <laughs> National Boat Day. Uh-uh. Oh. Starts with is it something, something on the eight. Something, you always have. Hmm, something on the eight. Let me pull up my, my calendar checklist here. It looks like on Wednesday the eighth, what do we got going on? Uh it's National Actors Day. Yeah, and there's something else on that day too. Star Trek Day. Uh uh-uh. uh. National Pledge of Allegiance Day. Uh uh-uh. uh. <sighs> World Physical Happy. happy. <laughs> 
is it the anniversary of Pharrell releasing the song called Happy? Uh-uh. Okay, well, I'm out of guesses. We appreciate you giving us a ring today, Red Wolf. It, 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 it's my, it'll be my birthday. Oh, okay. Well, then we'll talk with you tomorrow. Wait, wait, yeah, all righty. All righty. All right, bye. 930 is the number to call. He leaves the phone lines open. I tell you what, actually, let's hit pause on the phone lines for just a moment because I want to dive into some of these questions that we threw at you on Friday, and I want to talk about the answers because I feel like I, I learned a decent amount about this team, which was kind of the goal of, of the day, obviously, for Arkansas State to get a win, but to learn what this team was going to look like under Butch Jones since we got to see that finally for the first time. Flashing back to Friday, the very first question we ask you guys is, will there be havoc? And to refresh on that, havoc is a percentage. But to oversimplify it, it is how much hell your defense is raising. And... The havoc percentage for A-State football in this game was 19.4%. And don't get too worried about the numbers here. I'll kind of kind of break it down a little bit. So apologies if I, if I overstat you in a couple different ways. But, but as a refresher, the last two seasons, the average there was about 14.5%. A 5% increase might not sound like that much. But A-State's elite... Havoc-creating defense of 2016, where you had Chris Odom on one side and Roland Jones on the other, Javon Roland Jones on the other. That team had a Havoc percentage of, of 21%. So that increase from 14.5 to 19.5 is actually, it's, it's huge. That's a big deal. And yeah, one of the newcomers we saw, Kevon Bennett, he did create some Havoc in that game. He had A-State's only sack and three tackles for loss in that game, despite being double teamed <laughs> for pretty much the whole entire contest. I continue to look forward to seeing what he's going to do this season. The second question that we asked you on Friday was how would this team tackle? And I thought they tackled very well. I don't remember any big missed tackles or massive yards after contact in fact I remember what were actually some a, a couple of really good open field tackles in that game it seems like if an A-State defender got a hand on someone then more often than not that someone came down and kind of one example that I thought of is how many times over the past few years especially the last two seasons have you seen an A-State defender get a hand on an opposing running back, but failed to bring him down, and you saw a four-yard gain turn into a 16, 17, 20-yard one. Saturday, A-State allowed one carry of over 10 yards. We haven't really got into the rust defense from Saturday, but it was very good. We did not see those missed tackles inside. The third thing we ask you was, how would the attention to detail and the process play out well we heard Butch Jones talk about the process in terms of the team was kind of pressing in the first half but then got more into the swing of things like he wanted them to do to focus on the process and not the results in the second and then what happened well we did see the results in the second half uh, so we also in terms of the attention to detail and things like that only saw Arkansas State commit six penalties for for 50 yards so this is obviously like a super small sample size, right? Because we've got one game to talk about. But A-State's six penalties rank 
The Red Wolves at 56th out of 130 teams. Their 50 penalty yards rank 63rd out of 130 teams. A-State ranked about 104th in these numbers last year. So again, very, very small sample size here. But we saw none of the big penalties in terms of personal fouls and things like that. We saw a couple holds. We did see a block in the back, which are like my four least favorite words in the English language. Saw pass interference. Saw an offsides, things like that. We saw penalties. We saw mistakes that could be cleaned up. We didn't see the big, huge, no good, extend drives all the way until your opposing team gets in the end zone type of penalties. The fourth question we ask you is one that's honestly kind of still TBD. We ask if we could see a power run game from Arkansas State. And I wanted to specifically look at, at power run numbers. And that that's actually a really small number of plays because it's plays on third and fourth down where you have two or less yards to go to get a touchdown or a first down. And A-State only had two of those plays all night. Now, they were 50% on them. Very early in the game, it was really disheartening to see A-State line up for a third and one and not be able to convert it. That was that was on the first drive. You're just like, man, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Come on. But later on in that game, when A-State was had a first and goal from the two, we did see A-State just run it right into the end zone. And then if you look at plays of, of three yards or less, where A-State ran the ball, they were five of six on converting first downs or touchdowns in that area. So while we still need a little bit more data, I, I was mostly pleased about that. And then the final thing we ask you, we ask you if A-State could kick a ball out of the end zone because, look, I don't like to speak for you guys because everybody <laughs> has their own opinions, but I feel like this fan base is 100% united that nobody wants to see any pooch kicks anymore this season. And we did not see one Saturday. Uh, there were a couple of kickoffs late in that game where that, that could have been a little bit deeper. So UCA had some starting field positions of like 31 yards, 38 yards. But man, more often than not, they were starting at the 25 or worse. And that's what you want to see. So overall, as a special teams unit, I was fairly pleased about what we saw there. And again, just I was radiating joy at the end of that game that we did not see it pooch kick elated made my night some other things were great too i mean lane had your being 12 for 12 that was fine at all but but no no pooch kicks (laughs) that was uh that was the big big takeaway uh we've been asking you again today the most important thing you learned from saturday that's not quarterback related uh i still feel like the wide receivers are the best position group until somebody takes that banner from them. And I feel like there's a little bit more competition there uh, in terms of when you think about the depth of the running backs and the play of the, uh, the defensive line and, and things like that. But right now, that group is still the wide receivers to me because, I mean, I don't know what else you can say about Corey Rucker. Just how good he is and the fact that, y'all, he's still a freshman. He's a COVID freshman. He's a freshman. How much more does he still have that he can tweak his craft and continue to make even even, you know, additional gains. How much more on the same wavelength can he get with with Lane Hatcher? There are still improvements to be made there, and he's been so fun to watch. In addition to that, I, I thought Tavalen Tan looked good. I mean, that's that's a good receiver. 
that Arkansas State is added in there. We haven't really talked about him much yet, but he had a good game too. He finished with six catches, almost 100 yards. He had a touchdown. Jeff Foreman looked good. thought it was interesting that we saw, you know, a lot of Emmanuel Stevenson there, the true freshman at tight end. He caught some passes. And then I thought it was good that, uh, you know, Butch Jones got these wide receivers involved somewhat. Johnny Lang caught a pass. Alan Lamar caught a pass. Marcel Murray uh, was targeted out there. So I think when you, and I know that's kind of talking running backs and receivers, but just all in all, I feel like that receivers group just continues to be just so good when you're talking about the top-tier talent on the team. That's who I would tip my cap to. 9303776 is the number to call. We'll have those phone lines open during the break. However, a uh, really interesting week all around college football, especially for some future Arkansas State opponents. So yeah. we're going to look at that when we return. Keep it with us here on The Ticket. The Ritter Communications Hotline is open now on Northeast Arkansas Sports Station. Call 930-3776. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Stoltz. And Brad Bobo. So everybody seems to have a podcast these days. And, well, we've decided to join the party. We'll release a new episode every Tuesday. Of course, we'll talk about what's going on with the Red Wolves, but we'll also be able to talk about some things we might not always get to. That's right. We'll have interviews, behind-the-scenes info, tell plenty of stories, and have a whole lot of fun as we talk about everything A-State. It's the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast. Your wedding deserves a beautiful classic venue to spotlight your love story. Kingsman Estate is the perfect and newest venue in Northeast Arkansas. A lush, rolling estate with a pond, island, gazebo, and Victorian-inspired home where you can dance the night away and dream of your wedding day for years to come. A luxe bridal suite awaits you and your bridesmaids, complete with a separate makeup room. And the groom suite is built for fun with a pool table, bar, and you can even fish in the pond before you put on your tux. Call Kingsman Estate today or book a tour to reserve your date. Dates are limited, so call 870-627-3110. Kingsman Estate. Red Wolves fans, this is Coach Butch Jones, and it's game week. We need you in Centennial Bank Stadium this Saturday. Hatcher going deep left side, looking for Rucker. Rucker leaping, makes the catch. Touchdown, Corey Rucker. Corey Rucker with his second touchdown here in the first 10 minutes. Help us lock the vault. Secure your seat now. Visit astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket is adding another hour of local programming. Hey, this is Cade Carlton. Join me and Andrew Bowen every weekday from 2 to 3 right here on The Ticket for our newest show, The Setup. We'll talk all things A-State, college sports, professional sports, and whatever else the topic of the day might be. And we'll interview a wide variety of guests from local and national levels. It's The Setup weekdays 2 to 3 right here on 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket. Arkansas State Parks are your passport to explore everything the natural state has to offer, from our storied past to our scenic beauty. With unexpected escapes like Jacksonport State Park, you can get a unique look at our state's history. Each one of our 52 state parks offers something just a little bit different. So pick up your passport at any state park visitor center. Plan your trip at ArkansasStateParks.com. Brought to you by this station and the Arkansas Broadcasters Association. To some, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much, but that's not true. They're testing out vowels and consonants and trying different sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on meaning, especially if there's no babbling at all. 
little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. On paper, it's the best sports show around. Back to the Workday Red Zone. Well, the very first poll of the regular season is out for the Associated Press. The coaches poll out as well. And I'm going to tell you, maybe just wait about 15, 20 minutes before you hit up the AP's website. It's it's screwed up. They've screwed up how they've listed their poll. Normally, it's it's pretty easy. It just goes in order. One, two, three, four, five. But what they've done is they've still listed it by last week's rankings. So instead, it's one four six three two seven eight twenty four. So yeah, you you guys figure that out. We'll uh, we'll revisit it later before we wrap things up today, uh, as we start to dive into some of the action from the weekend. Reminder: Voice of the Red Wolves, Matt Stoltz, coming to join us here in about fifteen minutes. Not a great week for some future Arkansas State opponents. Um, <laughs> some of these we've already mentioned. We knew, I think, on Friday that Tulsa had gotten upset they were the first team to lose to an FCS school this season so all of a sudden that week four game kind of lost its luster but you can go ahead and cross off a top 25 opponent off of uh, the Red Wolf schedule because Washington was a preseason top 25 team and they are not a regular season top 25 team they lost to Montana FCS Montana Saturday night so that game, uh, an ugly score. Washington obviously could not do anything offensively. And Montana able to get a win there. So they have tumbled out of the top 25. The final on that one, 13-7. to 7. 7. By the way, I cannot imagine watching that one as a football fan. There were zero points scored in the second quarter. There were zero points scored in the third quarter. <laughs> And then Washington didn't, Washington scored in the first quarter, and that was it. Whew, tough day to be a Huskies fan. Uh, additionally, that was the big one. The Cajuns losing to Texas. There was, you know, some hope that Louisiana could go in there and hang with Texas. But one of the things that, that Texas did and had tipped to them on their game plan, they just did not allow the Raging Cajuns to run the ball with any success. I would love to know the last time the Raging Cajuns were held to 76 yards rushing. That is a low total. And I know that you would point to the depths and the trenches and where games are won and blah, 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 whatever. Billy Napier has been awesome at recruiting offensive linemen and running backs to the Raging Cajuns. So are they as deep as the Longhorns? Probably not because Texas can just walk out into their backyard and find somebody to start that's probably like a five-star but it's not like that's an area where the Cajuns have been manhandled by anybody over the past few years. And 76 yards rushing on 29 carries was a number that I thought was was pretty staggering. So the Cajuns falling out of the top 25 pole as well. Looking around uh, the rest of the Sunbelt action, some good scores, some not as good scores. Uh, all of the Sunbelt teams that took on FCS teams took care of business which normally wouldn't be something that you would want to brag about. But again, six teams. Yeah. Six teams over the course of the weekend lost to FCS opponents. So in addition to A-State starting with UCA, Georgia Southern 
Um, also had to take on Gardner-Webb, which they did have their hands full there. The Eagles only won that game by five points. And then Troy had absolutely no issues whatsoever with, with Southern, and that was a 55-3 to final. Uh, those were the good scores. The bad scores, well, thought ULM was going to be bad. And uh, that final score against Kentucky is is still bad. 45-10 to 10 is what the Warhawks lost by. I'd be interested in reading, you know, from some of their beat writers or fans or anything. Like, is there, what do you take positive out of a 45-10 to 10 final? But then again, ULM is, is not good. So are there, you know, what, what if anything, do you take out of that? Uh, far more surprised to see Georgia State just getting blown out yeah, that- by Army. Army almost had 300 rushing yards on them. Well, they also almost had 100 passing yards on yeah, them. Yes. Army doesn't throw for yes. 100 yards? <laughs> that, that box score was nuts. Army threw for almost as many yards as Georgia State did. That, that does not happen. 43-10. to 10, And Georgia State was finaled by either a point or two. They, they did, did not did not make it. Uh, one more loss, but one that I find a little bit more interesting. Texas State did lose to Baylor 29-20. to I don't know if Baylor's down, but I guess I just assumed that would be a more significant loss, a larger margin of victory for the Bears. So I don't know if Texas State is doing any type of um, you know moral victory type thing today. Obviously, their coaches and players are not because it's a, a loss is a loss, but I'm wondering what bright spots they take out of that in a game that was much more competitive this year than would have been a year or two ago. As far as the wins, uh, I was impressed by South Alabama's score over Southern Miss. And I don't know a ton about Southern Miss. They did go through a coaching change last year. Maybe they're supposed to be terrible. But 31-7 to is a pretty decisive victory. Um, as usual, Jalen Tolbert, pretty, pretty, pretty good. I am glad to see, selfishly, that he does like to actually play incredibly well against teams not named Arkansas State. He finished with 168 receiving yards, but I think that's pretty much the roundup from across the Sunbelt Conference. Of course, going back to Thursday, Coastal got a win over an FCS opponent, App State with a win over East Carolina. So Coastal Carolina moves up just a little bit in the AP poll with their victory, and App State, I know, did receive a couple of votes this week, although, again, the uh, the website's pretty screwed up there for the AP, so I have no idea how many or where that would put them on the list. 9303776 is the number to call. We have just a couple minutes here to take your phone calls uh, before we touch base with a voice of the Red Wolves, Matt Stoltz. Of course, one of the big notes over the weekend were just how many top 25 versus top 25 matchups we were going to see. And some lived up to the billing. Some were, were kind of surprising. Did we <laughs> Did we underestimate Alabama? I didn't think that game would be necessarily close against Miami, but man, they still just went out and and pummeled the hurricane. There were a lot of talks about, you know, Alabama has to replace. I would kill for a cough button right now. Alabama has to go out and replace, you know, this, these parts of their defense and this, that, and the other. And it was just, it, it was never competitive. And it was a blowout at the half. There was never a question in the second half whatsoever except just what the final margin of victory would be. Alabama looked good. They're going to continue to look good. I was a little disappointed in our in our boy Tom Allen at Indiana. You know, after that incredible season that they had last year and being able to come back and get their QB healthy, I was hoping for kind of more of the same because I'm a huge Tom Allen bandwagoner. He's just really easy to listen to, super motivational. But they got blown out by Iowa. Not a competitive game. So Indiana has fallen out of the rankings this week. 
I'm assuming LSU fell out of the rankings. It, they did, okay. yes. Uh, they lost over in Cali to UCLA, 38-27. Kind of a fascinating situation there because, one, Ed Ogeron's got to be feeling the heat already after what last season was like. And then you start off this season, and not only do you get beat, but you have a comment before the game that kind of goes a little bit viral. It's one thing to get beat. It's another thing to get trolled. And that's what's going on right now with, with Coach O. Before the game, he had, a, he had a back and forth with a UCLA fan where I guess the UCA, UCLA fan was heckling. So Coach O said something along the lines of, you know, why don't you come over here in your sissy blue shirt? Well, the sissy blue shirts had their way with the Tigers. Yes. And now that is like LSU, or excuse me, UCLA's profile header. And yes. they are embracing the sissy blue. Yeah, even Lane Kiffin even got in on it because he tweeted, uh, I guess it was right before the show started. He said, 1-0 and is all that matters, rocking that sissy blue at Ole Miss football. Thanks to all the fans that showed up. <laughs> Some other games. Uh, I think everybody, of course, was looking forward to Georgia and Clemson. And I couldn't really sit through it. 10-3 is not the type of football that I'm interested in. But Georgia did come out on top, so they get a huge, huge, huge boost to help them start their season. Now, Clemson's not going to be out of it by any stretch, but they're not now going to be able to just completely coast unscathed into the playoffs. They will have a little bit more competition there in the ACC. Or at least you thought they would. You thought North Carolina might be one of those teams. But they go out and get beat by Inner Sandman Friday night. So really just an interesting, interesting week. There were a lot of teams that started slow. Arkansas started horribly against Rice. And next thing you know, they remembered, oh yeah, we can run the ball really well. And they started to run it down Rice's throat and finished there with, with three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. But we did see teams across the country, it seems like, have to deal with that. Uh, Some of those teams came back. You know, Florida State did not play well early against Notre Dame. And Notre Dame ended up with a pretty significant edge there. I think uh, 38 to 20 was the highest at one point in time or the most they led by in that game early. But then Florida State comes roaring back. So maybe they're not going to run Mike Norvell out of there quite just yet. And that ended up being a really, really great game Sunday night. Again, my highlight of the weekend, hands down, was seeing Mackenzie Milton back out on a football field. When you read what he went through, you know, it's it wasn't the same injury or anything, but just what he had to overcome is kind of similar to the Alex Smith thing, although not quite as intense. But But there was also, just like with Smith, there were conversations about, first off, just making sure he kept the leg. Not... Could we get him back out on a football field at some point in time to finish his college eligibility? Could they keep McKenzie's leg and not have to amputate it? Yeah. Obviously, they did. He was able to work back through that. Came back. Played well Sunday night. And that was just a uh, really, really interesting thing there. Yeah, I think they... I think they put it on the broadcast. I know it was on social media, but, it, you know, they were talking to the doctor who did his surgery, and one of the quotes he had to Mackenzie Milton was like, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's never been done before, which is a bizarre quote. It's insane when you think about it. Uh, one quick 
news item to throw out here before we go to break and then come back and talk about voice of the Red Wolves, Matt Stoltz. Not only does Coastal Carolina start their season with a win, not only do they move up today in the AP and coaches poll, but they just got a gift from Uncle Moneybags. <laughs> Joe Moglia, former head coach there. I really want, I'd want to know how much he just donated. It's not in the release, but Moglia has donated enough for Coastal Carolina to start work on an indoor practice facility, expanded football facility, and a proposed south end zone project. Must be nice to have a member of the board of TD Ameritrade that closely aligned with your university. But uh, we'll see how much he gives them later. Tip pause. We're going to come back. We're going to check in with Voice of the Red Wolves. Matt Stoltz right after this here on The Ticket. When she's not watching sports, she's talking about sports. And when she's not talking sports, she's tweeting about it. All right, boys, how did I tweet on this thing? It's Kara Ritchie on the Workday Red Zone. Bigger bonuses, increased starting pay. Linux Industries has 300 positions to fill and is now offering brand new seasonal shift incentives. Hiring bonuses from $2,000 for first shift and $2,500 for second shift. Starting pay from $1,525 on first to $16 per hour for second shift plus excellent benefits including full medical benefits and a free on-site clinic for employees and their families and an air-conditioned factory bigger bonuses increased starting pay up to 16 dollars an hour come join the linux team the leading hvac company in america call 870-672-8161 or apply online at linuxinternational.com careers linux industries is an equal opportunity employer Hi, this is Bob Moore with Moore Air Conditioning. AC issues in the summer interrupt your life in more ways than one. We're here to help. When you need your air conditioning repaired, you need it fast. Get more assurance with the Moore same-day guarantee. We'll send a licensed, trained, and background check technician to your home the same day you call, or you don't pay a service fee. That's the Moore Assurance Guarantee, creating comfort one home at a time. 870-336-2023. My name is Donna Petty. My husband, Mike, and I, we own the Ohio Club. I strongly encourage every one of you to get the vaccination. We're stronger together, and if we all just decide to do what's best, the faster we can get back to doing what we love to do and being around everybody and not have to worry about all this. If you're vaccinated, you're going to be a lot better off, and so will your community and your family. So please get vaccinated. Learn more at healthy.arkansas.gov. This message brought to you by the Arkansas Department of Health. I knew I was stuck at this kid's house for the night. I decided to just go to sleep and get the night over with. But those guys came into the bedroom and got into a massive pillow fight. Let me tell you, it's not easy falling asleep when a sweaty little kid falls on you every five seconds. Even after the lights went out, Raleigh and his friends stayed up. A bunch of them snuck up on me to try and pull my hand in a bowl of warm water trick. Well, that was enough for me. I went downstairs to sleep in the basement even though it was pitch black. I left my sleeping bag upstairs and that was a mistake because it was freezing. I think it was probably the longest night of my life. When the sun came up this morning, I found out the reason it was so cold. I was sleeping right by the sliding glass door and some fool had gone and left it open overnight. That really stunk because if I knew there was a way to escape last night, I definitely would have taken it. To read more about the sleepover, check out Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Last Straw by Jeff Kenney. 
Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library and visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. We are strong and we'll get through this together, but these are stressful times. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, and know that you are not alone. Visit wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Giving you 110% and taking it one show at a time. Here's Kara Ritchie. All right, welcome back to the Workday Red Zone. Kara and Cade hanging out with you just a couple of minutes away from a conversation with Voice of the Red Wolves, Matt Stoltz. He's going to hang out with us here in studio. Uh, in the meantime, though, I tell you what, let's check in on some of your answers to today's KavanaughCars.com question. What's the most important thing that's not quarterback related that you learned from Saturday's A-State season opening win against Central Arkansas? Uh, so let's look here at the responses. I'm pulling these up from Twitter at Kara underscore Richie, where you can still weigh in with your response. And Rodney just chimed in a couple minutes ago. He said that the defense is more fundamentally sound. Says that was a refreshing change. Uh, Robert <laughs> says, based on the play calling that he saw, he does not believe that Arkansas State will be running a fake punt from deep inside the Red Wolf Zone territory. I, I would agree with you there. I do not expect to see that this season. Cat says that uh, pooch kicks, not necessary, it turns out. She's speaking my language on one of the things that uh, that she learned. Nathan says it was an impressive performance from some of the transfers and freshmen. Saying that Butch is a lot different than, than Blake, obviously. And seems less concerned about culture and more about results and Roddy says uh, he really enjoyed the play of the O-line calls out number 74 specifically saying quote he's a beast and was driving his opposition five to ten yards off the line number 74 of course is Andre Harris who was moved to left tackle uh, prior to not prior to that game he had worked out some there this fall but uh, he's played guard for most of his time at Arkansas State made that move over a spot and did well there in that game. So glad to, glad you enjoyed it because we're going to continue to see that more. Appreciate everybody who's chimed in so far. We will continue to check in on your responses throughout the course of the program again at Kara underscore Richie or by using the hashtag WDRZ. No open phone lines right now, though, because we've got Voice of the Red Wolves. Matt Stoltz here with us in studio. Hello. How are y'all? Hey, doing great. You doing okay? Fantastic. It's a little bit different anymore because you know on Tuesdays at 12 30 that's when coach Jones does his press conference so I was racing across town so I could be with you and Kate in person obviously uh everybody wants to know what he said about the quarterbacks but I tell you what we won't dive into that yet I want to know leave them in suspense I want to I want you to weigh in on our question today what's the most important thing you learned on Saturday that's not quarterback related about this team that they showed, you know, some toughness in a moment of adversity. I mean, you're down seven to six at the half. You know that you can play better. And look, we made the comment on the air about it. It was probably unfair for a lot of us to expect this team to just come out and play great. 
you have over 50 newcomers playing together for the first time, and it was probably going to take a little while for them to get some of that anxiety out of their system and to work out a few kinks. But it, it looked like a different team from the first half to the second half, and the way they responded to a, a little bit of, uh, of adversity there, I think, showed us a lot. And it was very positive uh, what we saw, especially there in the last 30 minutes of that game. It was a tale of two halves. We've already heard Butch Jones say that. What do you feel like, you know, aside from maybe a, a personnel change, what was the biggest difference there going from the first half to the second? thought the offensive line was much better. You could tell they uh, they did a much better job in their protection in the second half, and I think they wore down UCA as the game went along. You know, the Red Wolves had 40 yards rushing in the first half. They ended up with 194 for the game, and I, I think the fact that Marcel busted off a big run, he went for 40 yards at one point. Alan Lamar had a big run. I think he had a 33-yarder. So, that gives you a lot of confidence. And then when you're able to establish the run the way that they did the other night, then things open up in the passing game. And obviously it, it did, did in a big way, uh, especially when you look at what Lane Hatcher and Corey Rucker and even Tavalence Hunt were able to do. We didn't see all of those 55 newcomers on the field on Saturday. That would have been. <laughs> no, lot. we did not. But we did see several who caught your eye. You know, a couple of the guys I thought, would stand out, uh, did. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Stevenson was a guy that played a lot, a true freshman that, uh, you know, w was a big part of the offense. He had a couple of catches, but he was out there for uh, a good percentage of the offensive plays the other night. Uh, Reed Tyler also did a good job at that position. And we did get a, a little bit of a peek at Seydoux Traore at one point. You know, it, it was it was good to see Tavalen Hunt. I know I just yeah. mentioned his name, but he was certainly one of the newcomers that stood out. You know, he had six catches for 96 yards and a touchdown, and he did a great job kind of tipping the ball back to himself and hauling it that in. Was a great catch. Made a great catch in the first half, and, uh, you know, he went for 49 yards. So that was a big-time play and kind of, you know, showed off his talent going up and getting one of those 50-50 balls and um, – yeah, you know, I thought he did great. Kevon Bennett was outstanding. You know, he ended up with three tackles for a loss and was credited with a sack. And then, you know, Joe Azugu at that other defensive end position, I thought uh, played really well too. So, and really, that defensive line as a whole was great. Those interior guys were uh, a couple of dudes we saw last year with Terry Hampton and uh, Vidal Scott, and I thought they played fantastic as well. So. A lot of positives you were able to take out of that ball, ball game, especially when you look at the defensive side of the ball. Of course, a lot of the guys that played well are guys that we've seen before. Some returners, including, of course, quarterback Lane Hatcher. And I know everybody's looked at the stats. 12 for 12, 150, four touchdowns. All it's of hard that. not to look at that. I know. 100% as a completion percentage. It, it kind of jumps off the page a little bit. But as you watch that game unfold, you know, what was your biggest takeaway from his performance? Just the confidence he had when he came in the ball game, and he's always ready. And it's not an unfamiliar position with him coming in off the bench. He's used to it. He prepares as if he is the starter. And you know, in this particular situation, who knows who's going to be the starter from week to week? But at this point, you know, Lane is a guy that uh, 
uh, is one of the hardest workers, if not the hardest worker that I've ever seen come through this program. You knew he was going to be prepared, and when he got the opportunity, he took advantage of it. And, you know, he got an opportunity in the first half. And when he did, you know, he finished off a drive and went four for four in the first half. And then in the second half, he gets another chance, and, man, did he take advantage of it. He, he was good. And, you know, that, that third touchdown – between him and Corey Rucker, I thought was really the most impressive. It was right after the interception by Sammy Johnson, and that pass was just right on the money. Perfect route by Corey, and Lane couldn't have put it in a better spot. I thought UCA defended it pretty well, but it, it was it was just a, a perfect throw and catch and really fun to watch. It's hard to beat a one-play scoring drive after a turnover to just really kick the other team while they're down. And look, UCA did the same thing in the first half when, when we turned it over with the fumble the very next play they struck on the 66 yard touchdown so we were able to kind of return the favor so um, yeah just uh, overall yes 12 for 12 is one we're not going to forget about anytime soon you mentioned you just came from Butch Jones's weekly press conference what did he have to say about his quarterback play well, he said it's going to be a competition going throughout the course of the week, and I really didn't expect anything less. You've got two good quarterbacks. And, and look, James, when you look at James Blackman the other night, it's not like he did anything wrong. Uh, yes, I'm sure he'd like to have a couple of those throws back where uh, – you know, he may have had some overthrows on deep balls, but at the same time, 16 of 26 for 169, he didn't turn the ball over. You know, he's been a guy, and I've been fortunate to see a lot of the preseason workouts. He's impressive. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is a good player, a good quarterback, but, you know, it – Sounds like it will continue to be a competition leading up to game day. And there's no – look, he's not going to tip his hand ahead of Memphis. If, no, he's not. If Ryan Silverfield Silverfield has to prepare for two quarterbacks, then Butch Jones wants him to prepare for two quarterbacks. And he should. If if I'm in that position, yes. I'm doing the same thing. So, uh, you know, I don't know uh, how much of it is showmanship at this point, and, and I really don't think it is. I think they're they're going to compete – throughout the course of the week. You've got two good options. You know, one may outperform the other in practice this week. Who knows? Yeah. But at the same time, I like our chances, whoever is going to take uh, take the field on Saturday. Your thoughts on Memphis? I think they're one heck of a program. I, I, I saw the stat this morning. I was looking through some of their notes. Um, you know, they're one of five FBS teams in the country that have won at least eight games the last seven years. The others are Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma. So you're in some pretty good company there. Uh, just looking back at what Memphis has, has been able to do, they have certainly turned themselves into one of the better programs in the entire group of five. Now, one thing that I think is uh, something that, might be in our favor is the fact that they're really young at a couple of those key skill positions, namely quarterback. They've got a freshman quarterback, and then they've got a freshman running back that actually is out of North Little Rock, and he went for 147 the other night against Nichols. But, uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a, a really solid program. They've proven that over the the last few years, but 
I'm excited that we finally get to play this game at home again. It's been since 2012 since Memphis was at Centennial Bank Stadium. Uh, We've only played them twice since. We had the meeting in 13, and then we played them again last year. But, you know, first time in nine years that Memphis is coming to Jonesboro, and uh, hopefully we we get a a big crowd and a fun atmosphere coming up on Saturday. I'm looking forward to a good scene. I've got faith that it's going to be a a fantastic, fantastic uh, atmosphere. Yeah, I think our fans will step up. And Brad and I were talking about it on the podcast. Uh, You know, I I really do think, um, you know, we're going to have a great crowd. And and I know Memphis is going to bring a lot of fans. Our fans, whenever we play Memphis, we really show up at the Liberty Bowl. I expect Memphis's fans with the way they've uh, performed, their program has performed over the last number of years for them to come over and and travel better than they ever have. So, yeah. you know, it, it'll be a fun environment. A-State and Memphis, uh, I guess we should, you know, Get expect the it. unexpected. So, yes, and we've, we've got this for a number of years. Yeah. So uh, that's that's exciting, too. Should be a fun one. Kickoff is at 6 o'clock on 107.9 K-Fine. That means you'll hear pregame coverage starting at 4. Should be, again, a fun day, full day of coverage. I hope you have a really fun Wolfhounds and everybody's in a good mood. I hope so too. Saturday, I had a, I had a fun Wolf House. You did, last didn't you? Saturday had a lot of good callers. Of course, people wanted to talk quarterbacks, but a lot of people were really excited to talk defense. So it was just, um, it, was, yeah. it was a good time. And we talk about atmosphere, and, and you were around it more than I was um, this past weekend. Just how much the embassy change uh, or changes the game day experience. We really weren't able to see it last year, but to have the embassy there and uh, the rock the dock going yeah. on before the game, uh, you know, and obviously Wolfhouse is going over there. I, I, I know Brandon Baxter was doing his pregame stuff over there at the embassy too, but that's kind of the place to be now. It was, I, I spent my time inside because that's where I'm set up. And so they had uh, like acoustic music going there in the lobby. Just a really cool scene. Saw a lot of familiar faces. But they also had Rock the Dock going on uh, behind the embassy suites. And just a quick attention members and guests. That's open to the public. Now, because of the way our yeah. county is set up, they have to make it kind of enclosed because we got some goofy laws. But. <laughs> It's open to the public, and I expect both uh, the the inside lobby area with music and Rock the Dock to be hopping on Saturday. Should be a good time. Can't wait. Do I have to say attention members and guests again? You you, you did it. All right. You Just checked. Knocked it out. Attention, good job. Attention members and guests. Thanks for hanging out. Always. We've got one more break to take. We'll take it. We'll come back, wrap things up here on a Tuesday edition of the Workday Red Zone. Northeast Arkansas Sports Station is 95.3 The Ticket. Have a great time and the chance to win a whole lot of money and most importantly support our beloved disabled American veterans on September 25th and 26th at the Hooked on Lake Dardanelle Big Bass Tournament. Go to Get5Bass.com That's Get, the number 5 Bass.com to register today with hourly payouts and a grand prize of $5,000. This two-day tournament is growing into one of the largest tournaments in Arkansas to benefit true American heroes, our disabled American veterans. Of course, none of this would be possible without our incredible sponsors, including Wits Marine, Miller Roofing, Central States Manufacturing, Inc., 
Mountain Arbor Resort and Spa, and Holiday Inn Express. Come fish with a purpose on September 25th and 26th. Join us for a special Friday night dinner before the tournament from 5 to 7. Go to Get5Bass.com. That's Get, the number 5, B-A-S-S.com, and join us to support our disabled American veterans. This hand paid with state and regional funds. Attention, members and guests. Make plans for Live with the Red Wolves Wednesday night from 7 to 8 at Lost Pizza on Southwest Drive. Join head coach Butch Jones along with a special player guest and listen along on 107.9 K-Fine and the EAB Red Wolves Sports Network from Learfield. Plus, audience members can win prizes from textbook brokers. It's all at Lost Pizza Wednesday night at 7 during Live with the Red Wolves presented by the Arkansas Department of Health and sponsored by Angie Gallagher of the United Country Scenic Rivers Realty, Crown Limousine, Vision Care Center, Farmers and Merchants Bank, Stanley Woodard Law Firm, and Blue Cross Blue Shield agent Woody Harrelson. Where are we going? I thought you wanted to get some stuff for the party. We're going to the old country store off the Cash River in Sedgwick, just 10 miles from Jonesboro. Yeah, but we need something besides beer and wine, don't we? The old country store has all spirits now. I'm taking you to see all your favorite men. Oh, you mean Jack, Jim, Jose, and Johnny. Yep. You know, Jose's my favorite. Keep your clothes on this time. The proceeding was recorded by fully paid voice actors. The Old Country Store and Spirits, 16067 Highway 63 East in Sedgwick, just 10 miles from Dan Avenue. The Old Country Store. The Storehouse has a new location, 3102 Fox Road in Jonesboro, and they have everything for your business. Office supplies, office furniture, fireproof files, printer towers and ink, break room supplies, cleaning supplies, bathroom supplies, self-inking stamps, printing, and so much more. The Storehouse offers free delivery, and you can order online or over the phone if you need. The Storehouse, 3102 Fox Road in Jonesboro, or call 870-972-6360. Put your business in the hands of the experts at the Storehouse today. What's your favorite place in the natural state? Show us. Enter Farmers and Merchants Bank's My Favorite Place in the Natural State photo contest, and you could win one of three big gift baskets packed full of Arkansas-made products. Enter through midnight September 19th at 953theticket.com or our Facebook page. Enter the My Favorite Place in the Natural State photo contest with three gift baskets awarded full of great products made in Arkansas. Brought to you by 95.3 The Ticket and Farmers and Merchants Bank. Member FDIC. You've already mailed it in at work today so you might as well keep it right here back to the workday red zone all right home stretch here on the program and last call on the phones 9303-776 is the number to call you can weigh in on our cavanaughcars.com question what's the most important thing you learned from saturday's a-state win now most important non-QB thing that you learned. A lot of you have focused on uh, defense, the improvements that you've seen there. Uh, some of you have focused on special teams. Jerry comments on Facebook and says, I learned that we do have a punter. That was a good day for A-State special teams, I think, for the most part. There was, uh, of course, there was that one block in the back, but other than that, pretty good day in all three phases of the game so again 9303776 or online at Kara underscore Richie on Twitter there's a line unfortunately we haven't had time to to talk about today that happened over the course of the weekend there are continuing to be realignment conversations that are going to be happening this week with the Big 12 selfishly I really wish they would have wrapped that up before the season started or after the season ends because we have real live actual games to talk about realignment are the topics that we love in summer because we don't have a single other blessed thing going on 
And so we get to let our imaginations run wild with a 32-team super conference or a six-team Sunbelt, whatever. But now we got games. I don't want to talk about realignment right now. I want to talk about games. But of course, if you miss the news, Big 12 uh, looks like it'll be voting this week on whether it wants to extend invitations to UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, BYU. Those are the four uh, targets, it appears, for the Big 12. Will more eyeballs watch that conference with Texas and OU out? No. That's, there's some potential there for that to be some fun football with the teams that they're bringing in. So I'm intrigued to see how that goes, what that vote looks like. Didn't have time really uh, today. We'll touch very briefly this moment on, on the Cardinals. Of course, just started a series with the Dodgers. By the way, Albert Pujols, I believe, is slated to be in the starting lineup tonight for L.A. So that first plate appearance is going to be, I mean, a good solid five-minute ovation from the St. Louis faithful. But last night went about, or yesterday afternoon went about like you would expect. The Cardinals were facing Max Scherzer. And there's a reason that he is going to be one of the top three vote-getters in the Cy Young, if not the the winner this year, because he's just nasty, filthy, ridiculous. He struck out 13 in eight innings, and the Cardinals never really had a chance. You also have to add into the fact that you wonder if there was any kind of emotional hangover from Sunday's game. (sighs) How many times this year have the Cardinals had the worst loss of the season, only to find a way a week later to have another worst, even more worse loss of the season. Man, Sunday was just, it was brutal in every possible way. You've got a team that is up five to one heading into the bottom of the ninth. Only for the Cardinals bullpen to blow it, Alex Reyes to blow it, and the Brewers to walk it off in the most dramatic of fashions. Doesn't get much more dramatic than a walk-off Grand Slam. That's what the Brewers did to the Cardinals. I don't know who in that Cardinals bullpen now can be considered 100% reliable. We know it's not Reyes. Reyes has no business being in a high-leverage situation for the rest of the season. He, he just doesn't. We've seen that. He cannot be there to do that. He's, he is broken for all intents and purposes right now. We've seen some other guys come in and, and fare well in Cabrera and, and Gallegos. But there's still guys who about one every four times are going to hit some hiccups. One out of five appearances are going to hit some hiccups. And in a closed situation, you need a guy to go about 20 straight before he screws up. Five in a row isn't good enough. So I don't know what you do there at the back end other than set yourself up for potentially more heartbreak. Man, Sunday was rough. Of course, when I was checking playoff odds on Sunday, fan graphs, the Cardinals were up to like 7.1%, which sounds ridiculous, but it's about as high as it's been in the past month. 7% is when you're getting into kind of uncharted waters. And with nobody else in that wild card hunt really playing spectacular baseball, the the team still felt like they were in it. But then now, as that schedule starts to get tougher, as you just started a four-game series with the Dodgers, my hope is gone, and I don't don't know if there's going to be a way to get it back. 
thank goodness it's football season. We got that going for us, right? So uh, maybe it'll be okay after all. Coming up tomorrow, fingers crossed, we'll check in with A-State Vice Chancellor of Intercollegiate Athletics, uh, Tom Bowen. I certainly hope that's the case. Of course, he's the former Memphis AD. So something tells me you might have a little bit more of a personal investment <laughs> on this one coming up Saturday than, uh, than some of the rest of us. So we'll see if that happens. We do know we will talk with Keith Merritt tomorrow. We appreciate Voice of the Red Wolves, Matt Stoltz, coming by and hanging out with us today. We'll have that interview up later at 953theticket.com. Keep it here, Dan Patrick. No, not Dan Patrick. Apologies. Apologies, guys. Autopilot today. Coming up next, keep it here for the setup with Kate and Andrew. The drive with Brad Bobo comes your way at 3 o'clock. In the morning, have it here for the front row with Budro. RWRC Radio with JC comes your way at 10. Kate and I will be back tomorrow at noon. For Kate, I'm Kara. Thanks for hanging out. Cannot wait to talk to you tomorrow. Have a great, great day. Thank you.